Thank you for listening to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. For copyright and disclaimers, as well as information about how to contact the iCritical Care staff, please listen to the notice at the end of this podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margaret Parker. Joining us today is Dr. Tex Kassoon, MD, FCCM, to discuss his latest paper published in the September 2009 issue of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine titled, World Federation of Pediatric Intensive and Critical Care Societies, Its Global Agenda. Dr. Kassoon is Associate Head and Professor in the Department of Pediatrics at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. He is also the Senior Medical Director at British Columbia Children's Hospital. Welcome, Dr. Kassoon. Thank you very much. We're glad to have you here today. Uh, Could you please tell us something about the World Federation uh, for Pediatric Intensive and Critical Care Societies, better known as WIFPICS? WIFPICS, yes. WIFPICS was formed in 1997 um, at the behest of a group of uh, pediatric critical care physicians worldwide, and they saw this as a venue to better the lives of children across the world. Their mission was one of education, sharing of ideas, um, helping enact programs, uh, fostering research such that uh, the programs that we have in the developed world that can we can that those in the developing world can benefit and vice versa. So it's really um, it was really the so-called uh, pediatric critical care fraternity getting together to see if we can uplift the lives of children throughout the world. Um, it seems to me that there's a huge disparity in available resources um, from various countries across the world. How does WIFPIX balance the sort of competing needs, resources, and planning its agenda? What is the agenda for WIFPICS? This was one of our biggest challenges, and uh, the organization had matured over um, the past decade. We decided to take on this challenge, and you're right in pointing out that there's great disparity in resources, there's the great disparities in outcome, and it seems as if to a large extent geography determines your fate where you're born in, in the world. Um, now, it's a double-edged sword in that uh, um, we know that the resources are concentrated in the developed world. We have uh, the technology. We have cutting-edge medicine. We have most of the research being done in our parts of the world. Um, on the other hand, where most of the children are becoming critically ill and dying is in the developed world. So there is this uh, disparity in uh, where the knowledge and resources are and where children are. However, as a global society, we felt that we needed to cater to everyone, at least have some relevance in all parts of the world. And that was a challenge because we had a broad perspective of uh, not only intensive care, but critical care in the broader sense. So that went beyond the walls of an intensive care unit, and it uh, fostered to the critically ill child, regardless of location. On the other hand, To be relevant in the developed world, we had to foster, um, uh, continue to foster the research and work with our member societies such that we can, they can uh, uh, gain from the benefits of uh, WIFPICS, but we can also learn from them. 
now in the, in the, in the developing world, uh, that is a major problem that we don't have the resources, as we said. So what we have found there is that we need to link both together somehow, and hence the reason for putting out this position paper. Now, this, is no, this was not been, meant to be uh, etched in so, stone, so to speak. It was really meant to be a discussion point such that we hope that our colleagues across the world will start the discussion as to is this relevant, should we be doing this, because the society does not belong to a few members at the top. It belongs to the entire global uh, physicians who work in pediatric intensive care and critical care. A lot of the things that are potentially life-saving um, in pediatrics are not available in the developing world, immunizations, clean water, basic antibiotics, and so forth could save the lives of enormous numbers of children. How, but that's not generally part of usual critical care. So how does WIFPIX think about those sorts of issues um, in looking at its global agenda. Yeah, we felt that we needed say, to broaden the definition of critical care to start with. We felt that we needed to partner with organizations that had expertise in these areas. For instance, uh, we felt that we need to partner with WHO and the IMCI programs that in integrated management of critical childhood illnesses, the ETAT programs that they have, the emergency triage assessment and transport, um, and treatment. And in many parts of the developing world, these programs are uh, in its growth phase, so to speak. And we felt that if we can partner with organizations and support them in their role, then it makes our work a lot easier. In other words, there would be less critical illness. We are well aware that if uh, the, critical, the critical care or intensive care is resource intensive, costs a lot of money. And in many of these countries where you have the under five mortality of greater than 30 or, um, or so, that the critical care as we know it, or intensive care as we know it, is not relevant. But critical care is. And uh, what we're saying is that in those sort of situations, we know that you can make the best difference in lives if we to help with or at least uh, highlight immunization programs, portable water, better nutrition. And indeed, if we look at it um, from a, a purely sort of um, dispassionate point of view, one of the greatest impact that you can make in the lives of children is keeping young girls in school for longer periods of time. That has one of the biggest impact. So we look at all, all these factors and we are saying that yes, that we need to look beyond our double laws, uh, go upstream a bit, and make links with those societies. So we recognize that our broad agenda can be our Achilles heel. On the other hand, I think we'll be doing the children a disservice if we do not go upstream and partner with different organizations. I think that's a, a very um, important and creative way to look at it. Um, I personally think that <clears throat> preventive care should be a focus of critical care. You know, we support uh, bicycle helmets and car seats and um, drowning prevention and all kinds of safety things to prevent the need for critical care. And in the developing world, um, working with the societies that are, or the groups that are <coughs> addressing those preventive sorts of issues 
really is relevant to critical care, even though it's not the traditional critical care that we think about providing. In fact, you are so correct that we do it already without thinking about it. Uh, we would have been um, um, sort of rele relegating our responsibilities if we did not talk, talk about prevention, bicycle helmets, trauma prevention, etc. And um, when you look at the developing world, these the issues magnify itself because there's no good safety net downstream. And that's the reason we need to be upstream. For instance, if you look at um, even uh, within the issue of pandemics, uh, we know the H1N1 has been a big issue um, across the world. Um, in the developed world, in our world, we have been speaking in terms of well, how many more ventilators, how many more ICU beds um, and resources for the critically ill, because this is the first pandemic where we have the option to provide those sort of advanced care, complex ventilation, ECMO um, support. In many, uh, in much of the developed, developing world, the issues are completely different. Uh, the issues of getting immunization. How do we get immunization? How do we get early antiviral treatment? Because there are no downstream safety net for intensive care, etc. We also know that uh, one of the things that we take for granted in our world is the issue of an integrated healthcare system. We have um, um, pre-hospital care, we have good transport systems for the most part, fixed-wing aircraft, helicopter, ambulance, we have good emergency departments, we have ICUs, we have um, post-ICU rehabilitation care well linked together. In many parts of the world it's very fragmented and I've been, in fact I spent three months uh, last year in Africa working to understand some of the very issues where there are very few physicians, so we have to look at different models of care, um, where there are village health workers, etc. Well, we have a role to play in teaching the village health workers how to um, recognize critical illness. I think we can do that, and the simple things that are needed, if we look at the very thoughtful articles in the Lancet series looking at um, the Millennium Developmental Goals, if we provide simple things like antibiotics, potable water, clean delivery, breastfeeding, we can save millions of lives a year. Now, we are in the business of saving lives, and if we can do these simple things and save lives, then that is best bang for a buck. So WOOFPIX has a very complicated, multi-layered agenda, including research at the cutting edge for children in areas where there are adequate resources, education across the board, in, regardless of the level of uh, available resources, although obviously the content of the education would be different, um, and collaboration uh, with other societies within WIFPICS, but also within other groups um, addressing more global issues related to poverty. I think, yeah, you, you uh, encapsulated very well. I mean, that's what it is in a nutshell. And uh, putting together this um, sort of uh, global agenda really highlighted for us, made us think a lot more of many of the things we were doing already. But when you look at the enormity of the issues, um, of the nine, eight, nine to 10 million children who die a year, uh, most of these children die in Asia and Africa. They do not die in the developed world, yet the public health spending, et cetera, in our world, the usual 80-20 sort of split. 
And indeed, when you look at um, the research that is being done, there is very little research doing, being done on the diseases and the conditions that kill 80% or more of the children in the world. Um, we've seen it in all the journal publications, etc. That, that that's an issue. So I think that the question is, how do you do things that are relevant to society? So with PICS, we are not going into it with uh, sort of blinders and stating that uh, we can take what we have in our society and take it to other societies. So we have to look for different methods of provision of care with village health workers, nurses, um, few physicians. Even when we look at transport, we are looking at transport in certain parts of Africa where we're doing bicycle ambulances to uh, take uh, uh, children to, to hospital. We are also looking at simpler ways of how do we give um, antibiotics, fluids very early on. How do we uh, recognize sepsis early on and treat because that's one of the major killers. Uh, we're also looking at things, um, how do you give oxygen better because oxygen is one of the most expensive drug and respiratory illness and pneumonias are one of the major killers in, in those sort of areas. So uh, those sort of things that we're trying to do. Uh, we also uh, thinking in terms of leverage technology. Um, there's uh, this technological imperialism in, in many ways that still exists where we have technology where um, um, I'm usually, I'm a Luddite most times, but I, from what I understand, you can use the cell phones to transmit a lot of information. You can, you know, you can transmit data. You can do uh, malaria smears in the malaria area. You can do hemoglobin in areas, sickle cell prep and those sort of things. And also when you have limited expertise if you can transmit by telemedicine or telecommunication to some central repository where people can look and um, give you an idea whether this kid is sick or not because getting a child from home to a health center is a major thing where you may have parents walking eight and ten miles to get there it's not like us they can pick up the phone and do things so it is an enormous uh, um, issue and there are different ways of looking at it. I think that one way you can look at it is throw your hands up. Um, there's very little we can do. But I think like you, most of us who practice pediatrics are eternal optimists. And I think you've got to be an eternal optimist to be in this sort of um, federation and to see the, the, um, the plight of children worldwide. So I think that that's where we are. But again, as I said, I would hope that my colleagues, by reading this, will come up with more ideas and will frame it because we do not have the answers. I think the whole idea was is to put a position people out there and say, well, this is where we think we should be going. It's uh, very difficult to achieve it all. We won't be able to, but we need to partner closely and realize that more and more we live in a global village. Even if you can't achieve it all, you can... If you don't try, you'll achieve nothing. And it, with this uh, agenda of trying to achieve multiple different directions, um, like you, I think I'm an eternal optimist, and uh, progress will be made. We're a long way from being able to provide state-of-the-art critical care to uh, the entire global community. I, that's not going to happen in my lifetime. But if we can save some of those millions of children who are dying of diseases that either could be prevented easily or treated with very basic um, 
treatments such as fluids and antibiotics, um, we will have made a huge step forward. Yeah, thank you. No, I fully agree with it, and I've always held to the motto, when you see these children across the world, as I've always said, that there's this common humanity beyond the biological bond where we take care of our own children. A life is a life is a life, and I like most of us who do it, and speaking to my colleagues, I can tell you we all have great reverence of what the child might become, and I think that that's where we're all going with this. Well, thank you very much um, for talking with us today, Tex. It's really been a pleasure having you here. Thank you. And good luck with uh, the WIFPIC's World Agenda. Thanks very much. I'm sure you'll be part of it. <laughs> We have been speaking today with Dr. Tex Kassoon uh, about the article, World Federation of Pediatric Intensive and Critical Care Societies, Its Global Agenda. This concludes our podcast. Look for future podcasts featuring a wide variety of information important to critical care practitioners, including interviews with authors and discussions with prominent members of the critical care community. A new email subscription service will let you know when new podcasts have been posted to the SCCM website. Visit www.sccm.org slash iCriticalCare for more information. For the iCritical Care podcast, I'm Dr. Margaret Parker. The Society's internationally renowned Fundamental Critical Care Support, FCCS, program has been updated to reflect the latest skills and techniques practitioners need to treat critically ill and injured patients in the absence of an intensivist. In addition, Fundamental Disaster Management, FDM, has been updated to help healthcare professionals prepare to treat victims of natural or man-made mass casualties. Bring Fundamental Critical Care Support, Pediatric Fundamental Critical Care Support, and Fundamental Disaster Management courses to your institution. For more information, ask to speak with a hospital relations manager or visit www.sccm.org. The iCritical Care podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. Your host is Margaret Parker, MD, FCCM, guest podcast editor for pediatrics. Dr. Parker is director of the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at Stony Brook University in Stony Brook, New York. She also is a professor of pediatrics at Stony Brook University Medical Center. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email iCriticalCare at sccm.org or info at sccm.org.